Well, hello, kids. Hello, hello, hello. This is Thursday, uh, July 29th, 2021. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. And on Thursdays, we play a Western. And we've got a good one for you today. Uh, one of the best. One of the best. I don't know if it's the very best episode, but it's certainly one of the very best shows. And the episode's very good, too. It's, it's very entertaining, and it deals with um, almost a modern-day, well, really, a modern-day problem that they had back there in the 1870s. And that's all I'm going to tell you, because we're going to tell you all about it in just a couple of minutes. But, Chester, you look uh, prepared for the day. You've got all your pencils sharpened, and you're working the board there, and you look, you look very efficient. What is that? It's one of those editor's caps. I've never understood. One of those visors. Yeah, there's no top to the hat, just, just a visor. I've never quite understood what those were for. But anyway, you, you look very professional. Very good. I see you've got our guests all uh, squared away. So we are ready to go. So what we need you to do is to climb over there into that big easy chair of yours, get your feet up, get a little refreshment and relax and let the cares of the day drift away because we're coming right back at you with this week's Old Time Radio West. Let's do that again. Everybody sing. That's enough. All together. Hey, it's time for our Gunsmoke episode. This is a good one tonight. 
This one talks a little bit about prejudice and the attitude people had toward Native Americans or Indians back in the 1860s, 1870s. This show originally broad, was broadcast on January the 22nd, 1955. It was um, recorded, it would appear, on January the 8th, 1955. That was the pre-cut recording. This is entitled The Sins of Our Father. This one was written by John Meston. Most of these in the 50s, early 50s were, or I guess this was the mid-50s already. But before television came on, Meston was writing most of the scripts. This one, of course, features William Conrad, uh, Parley Bear, Georgia Ellis, and Howard McNear. Harry Bartell plays Dobie. Lawrence Dopkin plays Dan. Lillian Biaf plays Rose. Clayton Post plays Roden. And Joe Duvall plays Jonas. It's a good one. Here it comes from January 22nd, 1955. The Sins of Our Fathers. Excuse me, The Sins of the Fathers on Gunsmith. the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. Transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. And the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job. And it makes a man watchful. And a little lonely. Morning, Doc. Chester. Uh, hello, Matt. Hey, we've been waiting for you, Mr. Dillon. Oh, is there something wrong? Yes, sir, it's Mr. Doby. He's at the desk in the hotel there. He's real upset about something. He wants to see you. All right. Uh, you both wait here for me. Huh? I'll be right out. Yes, sir. All right. Well, 
Marshal Dillon, I've sure been wanting to see you. Oh, what's the trouble, Mr. Dobie? You got a riot in here or something? There'll be a riot if you don't get them people out of here, Marshal. What people? The Daggetts, that's who. Well, who are the Daggetts? Big Dan Daggett, he calls himself. And he is big, too, Marshal. I never heard of him. He's only been in Dodge since yesterday. He's one of them mountain men from on west. He's a hunter or something. One of them real hairy fellas. Shouldn't be allowed around other white men. Oh, why not? What's he doing? He's sitting in my hotel. I let him in before he told me. Before he told you what? It's better you see for yourself, Marshal. Room's right at the top of the stairs there. Well, okay, Dobie, let's go. It's true, ain't it, Marshal, that I don't have to let nobody stay in my hotel I don't want. I guess so, if you got a good reason. <laughs> I've got plenty of reasons. Three men have moved out already. Well, that sounds to me like he must have a box of rattlesnakes with him or something. Worse than that. This is room here. Now, this is a double room, isn't it? He needs it. Needs a whole doggone prairie. And that's where he's going. Now, you tell him, Marshal. Hello? I got the U.S. Marshal with me this time, Daggett. Oh, I'm Marshal Dillon, Daggett. Doby wanted me to come over here and meet you. Come on in. Well, you were right about his being big, Doby. Man can't help being big. Uh, it's no offense. It's all right. There have been times I wished I was smaller. Not that I can't move as fast as any man. I'm easier to see is the only bad part. Tell me, Daggett, what's the trouble between you and Doby here? It ain't my trouble, Marshal. All right, Doby, I guess you better explain. There's nothing wrong here that I can see. It ain't him. It's his wife. What? You don't like my wife because she's an Indian, Marshal. That's a lie. What I care if she's an Indian? I don't understand. Where is she, Daggett? In another room. We'll bring her in here. Doby, you know what I could do to you with the fingers of this one hand? Just the fingers? Don't forget I got the marshal with me. I use the other hand on him. He starts ordering me around, too. Now, wait a minute. This kind of talk isn't doing any good. You're probably pretty good at that gun, marshal. But I've killed Mountain Lion with this knife. I ain't afraid of anything alive and not many ghosts. <laughs> Ghosts. You even talk like a savage. All right, that's enough, Toby. Daggett, I didn't come here for a fight. I came to see what all the trouble's about. Now, if it's something that has to do with your wife, tell me. It has to do with Doby, not with my wife. That's a lie. Dan? There she is. Look, Marshal. If it is me they are talking about, Dan, why didn't you call me? It's nothing to do with you. He was trying to order me around. At least... He was Doby there. I only told you to get her in here so the marshal could see her. Well, now he's seen her. Now, what's all the fuss about? You're playing dumb, ain't you, Daggett? Wait a minute. I don't think he is. Tell me something. Where did you and Miss Daggett meet? Near Denver. Near Denver? I'm a mountain man, Marshal. Never been on the prairie before. Now, what were you doing near Denver, Miss Daggett? I was sent there four years ago to complete my education. My father was a chief, Marshal. A chief? What chief? His name was Yellow Horse. Yellow Horse? That's worse. That's the worst yet. I don't understand either of you men. What are you talking about? 
Well, Doby could tell that your wife was a Kiowa by the way she dressed. Well, she got to come from some tribe, don't she? Yeah, but being the daughter of Yellow Horse makes it even worse. Why? Two years ago, the Kiowas killed some 18 settlers on raids through the country near here. Yellow Horse led him until he was killed. You never told me that. Is that true? I only heard my father was dead. He told me nothing else. Well, what difference does it make anyway? You wasn't on them raids. The feeling's still high against Kiowas around here, Daggett, but you're right. She had nothing to do with them. A Kiowa's a Kiowa, and we won't stand for him and die. Oh, don't be a fool, Dobie. How can you blame her for what somebody else did? I blame that whole tribe, and especially her father. And I won't stand for her being here. She's probably as murdering as he was. Dobie. All right, hold it, Daggett. I, uh, I'd like to apologize to Ms. Daggett for... Bothering her. Apologize? Let's get out of here, Doby. Now. No. You come here to throw him out, and you're going to do it. Doby, I guess I'm a little like Dan Daggett here. I don't like taking orders very well either. All right, Marshal. If the law won't help me... The law won't help you. And don't you try anything else. Now, come on. We're getting out of here. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Justin? Well, uh, would you mind stopping in Mr. Jones' store here? It, it won't take but a minute or two. Oh? Uh-huh. You're going to spend your betting money on clothes again? Oh, no, sir. I mean, well, you see, Mr. Dillon, I, I need a little string tie. Uh, for Sundays, kind of. Oh. They don't cost more than a quarter. <laughs> All right, in that case, I'll go with you. There's Miss Kitty. Hi, Miss Kitty. Hello, Chester. The, the ties is hanging back over there, Mr. Dillon. I, I won't be long. All right, Chuck. Well, you're as bad as Chester, Kitty. <laughs> always buying clothes. As Chester? Matt, if Chester's always buying clothes, how come ever since I've known him, he's worn that same pair of striped pants? <laughs> well, he's careful with them, I guess. <laughs> he never gets them torn. <laughs> You'd have to go to bed if he ever did. <laughs> Where's Mr. Jonas? Out back. He's showing Dan Daggett and his wife something. Oh, are they here? Sure. He introduced me to him. Big Dan Daggett. Like you said last night, Matt, he earned the name. He's a buffalo, that man. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. His wife's name's Rose. Said you couldn't pronounce it in Indian, so he made it English. She's a beautiful little thing. Ah, she's prettier than most women around here. Thanks. Uh, oh, no, no, Kitty. No. I, I... You're right. She really is. I guess Dan Daggett can't be all brute or a girl like that would never have married him. Yeah, it's too bad Dobie over at the Dodge House can't see it your way, Kitty. No, Dobie's just not thinking very straight. Where's Jonas? Oh, he's out back, Rodin. Oh, hello, Marshal. I didn't recognize you. Oh, here he comes. How do you like it, Rose? Who's that, Matt? His name's Roden. He works over at one of the stables. Oh, that explains why he's too poor ever to come into the Long Branch. (laughs) Jonas! Hey, Jonas! I'll be right with you, Roden. Well, I'm in a hurry. Won't be but a minute. Well, I ain't waiting while you sell beads to her. 
Hey, wait a minute. What's she doing in here, anyway? Ah, uh, you stay here, Kitty. Yeah. She's got as much right to be here as you have, Roden. Kiowa woman, you gone crazy? Well, no. Then throw her out of here, or I will. The woman is my wife, mister. Your wife? Your wife? You'll have to throw me out, too. What? Now, now look here, I, I didn't mean nothing. If you don't mean nothing, then don't talk. Sure, sure. What do I care? It's your business. I don't care. And even if you do care, you shouldn't say nothing about it out loud. I ain't saying nothing. I gotta go now. I gotta go. Well, it looks like you handled that pretty well, Daggett. Can't fight every man in the world. No, I guess you can't. And I don't aim to. As long as they don't push me too far. Uh, is uh, Dobie leaving you alone? Oh, he's doing a lot of talking around. He's trying to stir up trouble. But before it comes, we'll probably be gone. Back to Colorado in the mountains. Oh. But Marshal... Uh, yeah. Uh, you come and see us sometime in the next day or so. Rose would kind of like that. Well, thank you, Daggett. It'd be a pleasure. <laughs> Doc out this morning, Mr. Dillon. I've been up to his office twice, and he ain't there. Well, he was called out to the Duke place last night, Chester. Oh, somebody sick? Well, Doc doesn't get many social calls, you know. I was calling on him social. Oh? Oh, well, he'll appreciate that, I'm sure. Well, I think I'll go up to the Dodge house and make a call on Jim Doby. More trouble, Mr. Dillon? Well, there will be if somebody doesn't stop him. He's been talking to everybody who'll listen about Rose Daggett being the Yellow Horse's daughter. How they ought to run her out of town. It's like he's looking for help, ain't it? Yeah. You ought to know better than that, a man like Doby. Well, that's what I'm going to try to explain to him, Chester. Marshal? Ah, uh, hello, Daggett. Marshal. Uh, I'm kind of worried. Why, what's the matter? It's Rose. I can't find her nowhere. You can't find her? No. Well, maybe you and Chester will help look for her. I've been everywhere. Of course we'll help you. Now, where did you see her last? Oh, right in our room. Let me tell you. I woke up real early. Couldn't get back to sleep. Didn't want to bother Rose, so I, I got dressed. I went out in the street and I walked around... I wasn't gone more than one hour, Marshal. Shouldn't never have left her. Well, did you ask him at the hotel? Did anybody see her leave? Well, there wasn't nobody at the hotel. Not when I went out, not when I come back. Nobody could have seen her. Well, where could she have gone to that hour in the morning? She wouldn't have gone nowhere, Chester, not Rose. What I can't understand. Well, all right, let's start looking for her. Oh, come on. Uh, I guess we'll start with a hotel. Sure do want to thank you for this, Marshal. 
You too, Chester. Oh, uh, we'll find her, don't you worry. Hey, Yeah, it sure is. Look, he's got somebody with him. That's Rose. That's Rose in that buggy. Rose? Rose, what are you doing there? Hello, Dan. Well, get down. Here, I'll take you. You... You'll have to carry me, Dan. Where you been? What happened to your feet? Uh, Chester. What, Doc? Do me a favor. Take this buggy, will you? Sure, will. Uh, let me get down here. Ah, uh, and you. You must be Daggett. Yeah. Now take Rose into the marshal's office. She shouldn't be on the street out here. We'll go. Hmm. She told me about her husband, Matt, but she didn't tell me that he was that big. Come on, let's follow him. Yeah. Tell me, Doc, uh, what was Rose doing with you? I found her out in the prairie, about ten miles east of here. Well, what was she doing out there? Uh, I'll let her tell you that. Just you stay and sit right there, Rose. I'm all right there. Oh, Doctor, this is my husband, Dan. Well, I kind of gathered that, Rose. Glad to know you, Dan. Yeah. Good thing you come along, Doc. You feel up to telling the whole story, Rose? Mm-hmm. I expect the marshal here will be interested, too. Yes, all right. Ah, good. And then I want you to come up to my office with me. Yes, Doctor. Has she been hurt, Doc? Go ahead, Rose. Tell me. Well, early this morning, I woke up when somebody tied a bandana over my face. Never should have left you alone. Oh, that is foolish talk, Dan. It was not your fault. Go on, Rose. Well, it was two men... They never said a word the whole time. They never talked once. But they carried me out the back way. And then they tied me onto a horse and led it way out into the prairie. They finally stopped and took me off and untied me. And then they took my shoes away. And they rode off. Finally got the blindfold off. And I, I walked and walked till I saw it. The doctor's buggy coming. I could not have walked much farther. Rose. Rose. Now, wait a minute, Dan. Rose, you never saw these men. No. And you never heard their voices. No, but... But I heard them walk. Everybody has a different walk. Or did you recognize either of them from hearing them walk? No. It was not Dobie or that man in the store. We'll find them, Rose. We'll sit on the street and we'll listen until we find them. When we do, I'll cut them. I'll cut them awful before I kill them. No, Daggett. You let Rose find them if she can, and then I'll take them. They're mine, Marshal. They're just as much mine as Rose is mine. I wouldn't let nobody else in the world touch them but me. That'd be murder. Is that what you call it? Rose, Doc wants you in his office. You go along now. And then we'll start listening. It's as good a way to hunt as any. For the next few days, the Daggetts took up their post on the boardwalk halfway down Front Street. Rose would sit there for hours, her head down, 
our eyes half closed, listening to the footsteps of hundreds of men as they passed. And Daggett would stand at her side, his bowie knife in his belt, waiting with animal patience for a sign from his wife. But it didn't come. And I began to hope that for his sake, the kidnappers had left the country and nothing had happened. And then the morning of the third day, Chester and I were loafing around on the porch of the general store. Well, where's the Daggett's this morning, Mr. Dillon? They ain't over there where they usually are. Well, I guess they haven't started yet, Chester. I swear every man in Dodge must have walked past there by now. All but two, maybe. Mm. Morning, Marshal. Chester. Hello, Mr. Doby. Doby. I'm looking for the Daggett's, Marshal. You seen them? No, I haven't, Doby. But Dan Daggett isn't taking things as easy as he was. If I were you, I'd stop looking right now. Doc told me what happened, Marshal. Doc did, huh? Well, he knew nobody else would, so he took it on himself. What for? For my own good, the way he put it. Well, did it do you any good? Made me mad. Mad at myself, mostly. Marshal, I... I've been a fool. Hey, Mr. Dillon, there's Rose now. In, in the street there. She's got a shotgun. Hey, what's she doing? Looks like she's following those two men. Oh, she sure is. Come on. She stopped them. She's got them turned around. But... See, she's going to shoot them. Oh, they ain't making a move. How do you know it was us? What if it was? I guess you ain't learned nothing. Maybe we'll have to do it again. Don't shoot, Rose. I'll take them. shotgun, Rose. It is empty, Marshal. Why did you do it? I'd have arrested them. Dan would have found a way to kill them, even if you had. They're dead, Mr. Dillon. Both of them. Who are they, Chester? I never saw them before in my life. A couple of strangers, I guess. Rose! I'll go get somebody to give me a hand. Rose! Was that them? Why didn't you tell me? What'd you run away for? Why'd you kill them? They are the ones, Dan. How'd you know? Where did you spot them? They walked past our table while we were eating breakfast. And you said you was going up to our room. I did go. Long enough to get the shotgun. Why didn't you tell me? Why'd you have to kill them? I could not see you hang for what happened to me, Dan. I'd have gladly hung for it. Anything's better than your going to jail. I will not mind, Dan. It'll kill you. I won't let it happen. It ain't right. Don't try to take her, Marshal. Don't you try. I know how you feel, Daggett. But I've got to arrest her. Rose has got to stand trial. What'll they do to her? Well, I don't think there's a judge in Kansas who'd convict Rose for what she did under the circumstances. Marshal Dillon. Yes, what, Doby? I got to say something, Marshal. All right, say it. Them two men she killed, 
I just looked at them, and I, I don't know who they are. But I've seen them. So, I seen them the other day when I was talking the way I was. They heard me. They was listening. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I just had to tell you that. I, I don't feel very proud. You're the one that ought to go to jail, Dobby. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Marshal. It's mostly my fault what happened to her and this killing and all. Well, you've learned something now, anyway. Only there's nothing I can do about it. Too late, I, I feel like hiding. Mr. Doby. Yes, ma'am? Would you walk back to the hotel with me and my husband? Thank you. I'd be proud to. Produced and directed by Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Our story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Sound patterns by Tom Hanley and Ray Kemper. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, Lillian Bayef, Clayton Post, and Joe Duval. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNair is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Listen to Chesterfield's two great radio shows every week. The Perry Como Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Dragnet, Tuesday nights on another network. Remember, listen again next week for another transcribed story of the Western Frontier when Marshal Matt Dillon, Chester Proudfoot, Doc, and Kitty, together with all the other hard-living citizens of Dodge, will be with you once more. It's America growing west in the 1870s. It's drama. It's gun smoke. Brought to you by L&M Filter. This is the CBS Radio Network. From January the 22nd, 1955, that was Sins of the Fathers on Gunsmoke. Boy, William Conrad had a great voice, didn't he? That's a great, deep voice. Like most radio actors with uh, great voices, Conrad did what he did instinctively, according, again, to Leonard Moulton. Of his booming voice, he said, there was always a danger thing in my voice. Now, I don't know how that got there, but I covered everything with a black drape. I never took a drama lesson in my life. I never even thought about what it is to be an actor. All I thought about was the money that it was possible to make. Maybe. And it turned out to be possible. I was just blank lucky to have a voice that fascinated people. Conrad and Bear co-starred in the 
that's Parley Bear, of course, co-starred in the long-running Gunsmoke series in the 50s. And with their fellow actors who represented the cream of the Hollywood talent pool, they created unusually rich radio drama. One of the hallmarks of the show was its sense of quiet, of underplaying. Says Parley Bear of the Old West setting, it was a time of shooting and fighting. People lose sight of the fact that in those times, quiet was their safety, really, because even the rustle of clothing could be detected in the quiet prairie by sharp ears. That was one of the things that I think we tried to portray, that it was a time of underplay. I think maybe we overdid it at times, because it was a technique that sure worked. Amen, brother. that is going to kick things in the head for another week and another month. By the time we get back together on Monday, we'll be in the month of August. We will be back this weekend with a grab bag. I can almost guarantee it. And we'll also have the archive show on Sunday. So we're glad you spent the week with us and we hope you come back and join us next week. By the way, just uh, by way of reminder, I, I had put this in my notes and forgot to mention it. You know, a lot of the Gunsmoke scripts from radio uh, were taken over to television and turned into screenplays and done on TV. And this particular episode was done on TV. Much like they did in the 50s, they did not cast Native Americans as Indians or as Native Americans on shows oftentimes. They would get actors who were white Europeans and uh, put them in the role. You know who played Rose Daggett? on TV, on the TV episode. Guess. Chester, do you, do you know? It was Angie Dickinson. Strawberry blonde Angie Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, it was one of her really early roles. I remember in the movie Rio Bravo, it said, introducing Angie Dickinson. Angie Dickinson played Rose Day. What can I say? We're going to go out tonight with a couple of songs from 1955. A really, really big song was introduced that year, Unchained Melody. Four different artists had top ten singles sometime during the year of that song. Four different artists. So that was a very popular song. Believe it or not, it was written for a very unknown motion picture entitled Unchained. It was, I believe it was about a prison break, if I'm not mistaken. And, and that's why... This song was named Unchained Melody. (laughs) Yeah, and guess who starred in that movie? I could give you a million guesses you'd never get. Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, who was a professional football player for the Los Angeles Rams, or, yeah, the Los Angeles Rams at that time. Can you imagine that? Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch stars in Unchained, and that beautiful, beautiful song comes from that. So we're going to play one of the uh, uh, versions of that from 1955 by Les Baxter and his orchestra. And it's really, I listened to all four and this one is the prettiest. And then we're going to, after that, we're going to have a big, big song by the Platters. So what we have here 
is we have slow dance Thursday night. So turn the lights down, roll the rug up, get with your honey, and uh, I got a couple beautiful slow dances for you. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me.
You're my dream come true, my one 